You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hello and welcome to Nick Luck Daily, the show that brings you the latest news, the sharpest insight from around the world of horse racing. It is Monday the 4th of April, it's the start of Aintree Week, Grand National Week, and we've just had a Grand National in the form of the Scottish Grand National. What a performance from Christian Williams's Win My Wings, reflecting on that very shortly. We've got a, a packed show for you, I'm joined by newsboy of the Daily Mirror, David Yates, to mainly look ahead to a, a fabulous week culminating with the Randox Grand National. We'll hear from Emma Lavelle, who has two intended runners in the race. She's playing a, a waiting game with a Claire Surf. Darasha Counter is definitely an intended runner. We'll be speaking to Daryl Jacob, who has announced that he will be riding Nigel Twiston Davis's good boy Bobby, one of the four potential rides he had in the race. That is his his choice will turn attention to America as well, the, the latest in the, the Bob Baffert saga. Um, Pat Cummings will be joining us to update us on that. But we do start with a, a reflection on that Scottish Grand National. Dave Yates, Win My Wings. Wow. Wow, indeed. Uh, win My Wings. It, it's so rare, Tom, isn't it, to see a race like the Scottish National, one of the most competitive handicap chases of the season, one in this style. Um, win my wings, she cruised up to challenge at the top of the straight, and at that point, she must have been trading pretty short in running. And from then on, it was you know, it was a cakewalk. How often do you describe a race like the Scottish National as a cakewalk? Um, she wasn't extended to win by seven lengths from Kitty's Light. Um, it was an exceptional performance, it was a measure of redemption, uh, for. Rob James, the jockey, remember, of course, he served four months of a 12-month ban for that um, very distasteful video of jumping on a dead horse in the early parts of 2021. That shows uh, what he can do in the saddle, which was a, a, a very strong effort from him. Um, but for Christian Williams, his, uh, his star just continues to rise, doesn't it? Kitty's light came through uh, to make it a one-through, a one-two for the stable. Um, we've had Cap Dunor winning the Coral Trophy. Uh, we've mentioned winning my wings and her victory in the Ida Chase. And these, the, the the first and second at air on Saturday, and this was a point that Christian Williams made with a, a view, I suspect, to any owners who might be who, who might have been watching uh, the TV on Saturday afternoon, and that is that these horses between them cost 15 grand. Um, he said, you don't have to go to the big sales and spend 300 grand, 400 grand on a horse. You can compete in races like this, uh, having spent less money and, well, to say that Win My Wings competed is a gross understatement because she absolutely sluiced away with the Scottish National. Um, yeah, it, it was a, it's a, a, another landmark for a, a, a career that is really going places. Both Christian Williams and Sam Thomas, uh, the Welsh-based uh, former riders uh, to Paul Nichols, have really seen their stars go up here, the, further this season. And... Uh, that was a personal best for Christian Williams, but I'm sure there are many more big ones to come. Well, a man that was riding in the Scottish National at the weekend was um, Daryl Jacob, finished fourth on 
on Fiddux, who ran a mighty race at a, a big old price. Um, Darrell, we'll, we'll come to your magnificent Grand National victory 10 years ago shortly. But but first of all, Fiddux ran a great race. Just uh, nothing was a match for that winner, were they? No, um, she was very, very impressive, wasn't she? I mean, um, with a circuit to go, um, she came on my outside and I thought, Grand, she's, uh, she was, she's one that'll, uh, she'll take me into the race. And to be fair to her, I followed her all the way down the back straight. I came into the home straight. Um, I jumped, I jumped four out and she was gone literally 10 lengths in front of me. And like you say, she's, you know, she's absolutely dotted up, isn't she? And, uh, you know, fair play to her. She had a hard race in, uh, when she won the last day with Newcastle and, uh, you know, to bounce back from that and uh, do, to, to do what she did do, and I thought it was very, very impressive. Your horse was unexposed at the trip. He he, he ran fine over it, didn't he? He's, um, I suppose, he, you know, the sort of regional and nationals going forward could be on his target now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think they've got a lot more options with, her, uh, with him now, haven't they? I mean, they, you potentially they could go to Ireland for some of the, you know, some of the, the nationals over in Ireland during the, during the summertime, I suppose, if they wanted to, because... He loves uh, he loves the good ground, but look, he's just a very very consistent, honest horse. Um, he had eleven, 11 stone five um, yesterday, and uh, like you say, he's he's not a very big horse, but um, he's obviously got a big uh, a big heart, and uh, you know he tries for you very very hard, and lovely jumper, and uh, look, he gave me a great ride around there, yeah. So talking of big hearts, I've just watched back the 2012 Grand National where you and Neptune Galange got up and beat Richie and. And Sunny Hill Boy. I mean, it, I'll be honest. Even watching it back, I thought he's not going to get there. He's not going to get there. And it, 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 I mean, it couldn't have been any closer. I know you've been asked this a million times, but did you think you'd won? No, to be honest with you, um, it was just it was so close. I knew obviously I was gaining on uh, Sunny Hill Boy. Um, you know, with every stride, and it was just one of those things that you know, my head down, my horses, the head down. You know, we were we were just. You know, going for all we were worth, and it was one of those things. We just hoping the winner post wasn't going to come too soon. And uh, lucky enough, um, Neptune had his nose down right on the line, and uh, you know that's what made the difference. And uh, you know what a wonderful horse he's been to to the Hales and obviously to, to Paul Nichols um, the whole way through his career. He gave you a lovely spin round, didn't he? Yeah, he was very very neat, uh, very clever. You know, he there's. There was plenty, plenty of jumps there where he sidestepped horses that I didn't even know were on the floor. So uh, he was things hap- he was seeing things happening a lot quicker than I was. I can tell you. <laughs> that's do you know that's so that's interesting. So how you know obviously you need a horse that stays and you know you need a horse that jumps and probably that can jump at pace given what the nationals like now. But I, I, I never really think about the you know the quick thinking nature of the race and, and how quick a horse has to be because there are so many things likely happening in front of you. Yeah, no, exactly. They've got to be very clever. I mean, they've got to be able to think for themselves as well. So, but the race has changed an awful lot. I mean, it's you know what I mean. From you know that the year that Neptune won, that was the last year that they had uh, you know the the bigger kind of stake. You know, the them sort of jumps, and after that was modified to the to the fences, the the easy fix fences that we have now. So, an awful lot has changed in 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 the ten years since he's won it. I mean, now. I don't think Neptune would win a Grand National now because he wouldn't have the pace for it. Whereas back then he just about got away with it. He was he was outpaced for the first mile and a half, but his sort of class got him back into the race. Um, you know, for the second circuit. But but now you need a horse that's, you know, you nearly need a two and a half miler now to to lie up at the pace. The pace is very strong from the outset, and you see if you get if you get behind 
now and the race is very, very difficult to get back. Again, just watching back that race 10 years ago, I, I was I was struck by Richie McLernan and he, the, the, there's an image of, just as the photo is announced, he is sat on the top of Sunny Hill Boy and he asks for quiet because he wants to know. And then they announce your horse's number and ma- magnificent for you. But for every winner, we know there has to be a loser in that photo. I mean, it it must have been it must have been tough for him. You're good mates, aren't you? Yeah, no, look, it was very, very tough. And, uh, you know, none of us knew the, the results from across the line. None of us had, uh, had an idea. And we just, we looked across at each other and, um, you know, we were kind of me, you, and, and none of us knew. And to be honest with you, you know, me and, me and Richie are very, very good friends. We sit beside each other in the way when we go racing a lot together. And, you know, sort of the longer the, the photo um, was taken to come, I was... You know, I was kind of hoping it was going to be a bit dead heat more so because, mm. you know, we all want to win the race. And I just thought, you know, it was obviously very, very close. And to, to be on the losing side must have been heartbreaking. And uh, when they announced that I was the winner, um, I looked across at Richie and, you know, it was just like his his heart had sunk. But like I said, you know, it would have been, for both of us, it would have been, a, you know, a great result if... It was a dead heat. Um, I'm look. I'm lucky. I wasn't on the losing side of it, but it, you know, equally, I, I do feel feel you know very really, really sorry for Richie. Mm. All right. So, um, which horse is going to give you a chance of a second national this year? Have you decided? Um, look, it's a very been a very very tough decision because um, we've got four four nice horses in it. Um, I dwindle it down to two between Goodbye Bobby and Killishat and. Uh, I've agonised over it for a long, long time. There's, there's positives, plenty of positives for both horses, and there's, you know, there's a couple of negatives as well. So, um, you know, I've gone for goodbye, Bobby, for the fact that, you know, he's been very, very consistent this year, and um, he's a very good traveller. In the fact that, you know, he's he's comfortable over two and a half miles, um, and like I say, what we referred to earlier on, I think, you know, you nearly need a two and a half miler, but stays stays really really far as well so and i'm hoping this lad he won on uh around weatherby on very heavy ground over three miles um he made the run on that day you know he really put it all in you know and he's got he's got plenty of speed and i'm hoping he's the one that i'm hoping he's he's, he's the one that's going to give me the, the best chance in riding a winner in the race but it's very very cool the killy start is he's never too far away from him that's for sure it was a it's a tough decision I look. I, I I bet it was a, a mighty tough decision. You know, Kildasar. I I thought he shaped very encouragingly last time. And I suppose the interesting thing he's been off a while. It's been a long time since you've ridden Kildasar in a race, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And funny enough, when I won that entry on him, what is it? Two two years ago, two and a half years ago. And um, that handicap, I always thought. You know, he's you know he's he's a national. He's definitely a national horse. Whether he's good enough to win the Grand National, but I, I always thought, and it's always stuck in the back of my head. I always thought he was a Grand National type of horse, and you know, I might, <laughs> I might regret making the decision to call Bobby. Don't. But like I say, he's he's consistent. He's done nothing wrong this year. Um, you know, Nigel's trained two Grand National winners. Um, you know, um, so I've gone for. I've had to make make a decision, and I think he's in really good form. I sat on him last week, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to riding him. So. Um, 
you know, I've just got to get get focused on uh, goodbye Bobby now and the rest of it is out of my control. Who else are you looking forward to, to riding coming up at Aintree, Daryl? Uh, looking forward to riding Scoriel in the Melon Chase 2.5. It'll be the first time we've run over 2.5. We've been agonising for a long time about running them over 2.5, but... Um, he just seems to keep winning over over two in the league hurdle and you know all them races before Christmas he keeps winning over two so we keep kept him to two but I thought at Newbury when he was second to Venetia Williams's horse I thought for for me he just looked a little bit outpaced and and that was a you know we were going to skip the champion chase looked very strong um, with an ergamy check on Pussoir Shiskin and all that looked very very strong so we thought well you know what now is a great time to try two and a half. We thought two and a half round entry would be would be an ideal uh, end of season point from. So we've we've trained them for the race. So Dave, to the Roundox Grand National. Um, Daryl Jacob re- reflecting on his stunning success ten years ago. And we won't see a closer finish than that. But also confirming who he's going to ride this year. Um, what ground is his mount going to have to face this year? That is, that is the question, Dave. What, uh, what light can you shed on this for us? Yeah, well, not very much light, except to say that it's, it's something of a, of a headache for Suleika Varma, the clerk of the course at Aintree, and also for punters. Um, if you are going to have a bet on, or have, have already had a bet on the Randox Grand National, um, you, you know that the ground is going to be probably good to soft good in places. That's what it is currently, and that's what it has been, I think, for the past two runnings. And Suleika Varma and her staff will tailor the ground uh, to that, obviously, for for um, reasons of welfare, just should we have uh, a dry week on Merseyside. However, the difficulty is that we don't know quite what we're going to get. Um, we've got conflicting forecasts from... Uh, the weather predictors. Slake of Armour told me yesterday that there is uh, a weather front coming from the north and one coming from the south. And guess what? Aintree is bang in the middle. And so they don't know which one of those is going to win. Slake of Armour said they really don't know what is going to happen uh, going Wednesday and beyond. And so you might get, I, I'm sorry, I can't tell you wh- whether the northerly or the southerly is the dry or the wet one. Um, but whichever one wins, if the dry one wins, then you're going to get spring ground tailored towards uh, good to soft good in places. And if the wet one wins, well, obviously that will bring in further rainfall. And so there won't be the need to water. Um, and the horses that that we're looking at that prefer soft grounds will be advantaged as a result. But in, in terms of welfare and watering the track, uh, Suleika Varma was apt to, to stress that's not a problem. You know, we can press a button and water the track and so that it's safe and, you know, probably tailored towards uh, maintaining what it is currently. But in terms of, uh, in, in terms of placing your bets, uh, for Saturday's race, we've got something of an uncertain picture. Will it be spring ground that's watered or will it be ground that's just softer than that, uh, tailored by by nature itself? We'll have to wait and, t- and see, I suspect, until the second half of the week. It feels largely like the position we were in going into the Cheltenham Festival and, and we know what happened there with, with water going down and then an absolute deluge coming on the Wednesday. There we are. What, what we did get at the Cheltenham Festival was Willie Mullins' domination, as we know, and 
he dangled that carrot, Dave, after the meeting, didn't he? With um, perhaps just intending to keep the British trainers on their toes going for the title. Do you think he was ever intending to, to win the, the British Trainers' Championship? And has he now bowed out of that race, do you think? I suspect that he had a glint in his eye when he said that. Um, I'm sure that was just to throw a little squib uh, into the, uh, the, 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 the British trainers' community and not a damp one um, by any manner of means. Um, yes, he, he said that, that it was a possibility that, that he could have a stronger rep representation at Aintree with regard to becoming the first trainer since... Vincent O'Brien in the 50s, uh, or the first trainer from Ireland to win the, the British Jump Trainers Championship. Now, it's come to pass that, in fact, Willie Mullins has not deviated from what um, we've become used to seeing as essentially his plan A at the Spring Festivals. That is, uh, Cheltenham and Punchestown being uh, the, the priorities and Aintree being in the middle and significantly behind uh, the two meetings that sit either side of it in the calendar and he hasn't deviated from that plan a and um, those of us who muse that may maybe there might be the if not the first strings the second or the third or the fourth who could still give the horses trained by the brits a run for their money and um, it doesn't look like they that well they're not materializing it's a it's a pretty select squad it's led by uh Kenboy who will bid to get his Betway Bowl uh, crown back this week but unless one of the Willie Mullins four uh wins the Grand National and Burroughs Saint is much the most likely I think of the quartet to do that then it looks as though the title is going to stay at home although quite where at the moment still I think is open to some doubt yeah, uh, notable that, that Paul Nichols doesn't have a, a runner in the Randolph's Grand National. Um, something that you, that you pointed out to me, actually, just before we, we started recording, which I had indeed missed, was that he, he mentioned, uh, I think you said in the, the mirror over the weekend, he wasn't completely happy with where his horses were at, at present. Tell us a bit more. Yeah, I thought this was worthy of note, because remember in February, as we led up to Cheltenham, uh, there was lots of chat, particularly... At, uh, at the Super Saturday meeting at Newbury, uh, where Brave Man's Game uh, defied top weight in the novice's handicap chase. After that horse had won, um, we sort of tackled Paul Nichols in the scrum afterwards and said, where are we, where, where, where are we with the string now? Uh, which he said, well, you know, the, the reason that in that period the horses hadn't been uh, winning at their usual strike rate was just because they were coming off the back of a quiet spell with their uh, inoculations, which uh, Ditchit does at the start of the year. And also, he said, it's just a reflection of the fact that uh, we had so many winners in the first part of the season. So having uh, batted those uh, suggestions of being out of form away, it was interesting that on Friday, Paul Nichols actually just volunteered that um, when I was speaking to him, saying... Um, the, the, the trainer's title, it, it's all to play for. Well, you sort of expect a trainer to say that. It's very rare that someone with a, a lead of, it was at 
the time about 160 grand uh, after racing on Friday, it would be rare for a trainer to say, well, come on, let's face it, it's already in the bag. Um, so you'd expect that. But what I wasn't expecting was that for Paul Nichols to say, it's in the bag and I'm, it's, just, it's, it's all to play for, excuse me. And also, I've got concerns about my horses running, as he put it, ordinary. Um, he said that they're still having winners, but not to the extent uh, that they would like. And he just felt that a few of the horses were underperforming. Um, as we stand now, he's got a lead of about 142,000 over Nicky Henderson. Uh, Dan Skelton is 160,000 behind Henderson. So obviously he's got a bit. Willie Mullins, we mentioned, he's 650 grand uh, behind Paul Nichols. So obviously uh, there is work to do there. But yeah, it's, it's, it's worth bearing that in mind. We knew that um, Paul Nichols would declare a strong squad for Aintree and all those horses, the ones like Clondes, Oboe, Montmiral, um, who weren't going to Cheltenham, they will be going to Aintree as planned. And we've also got the likes of Brave Man's Game, who was going to Cheltenham, uh, but didn't because the rain fell on the watered ground uh, before the Brown Advisory Novices chase. Uh, and so he will be at Aintree as well. Um, but yeah, it's just worth bearing in mind that, as I say, that um, in February... Paul Nichols was was of the opinion that there wasn't really uh, a problem. Crisis, what crisis? But just going into the last three weeks of the campaign, he feels that the horses are running a little bit below par. Well, trainer Emma Lavelle has two intended runners in, in this year's race in the form of uh, Eclair Surf, whose form boost got a... Got a, a bit of a hike at the, the weekend, didn't it? Um, it's a waiting game with that horse. I spoke to her a little bit earlier on. We started by talking about her other runner, the Russia Counter. Yeah, absolutely. He's, um, you know, he was a star for us winning the Ladbrook and um, and then sort of the plan had always been the, the Grand National. And then he, um, having had a, a prep run for, for the Ladbrook uh, the season before last, um, he came back with a, with a, a tendon injury which means that we're sort of a year later than we anticipated being um aiming for the national and um yeah it's, it's really exciting it's really exciting to have him at this stage and and um in the in the shape that he's in so uh, fingers fingers crossed it's funny because he's almost you know i feel for a lot of people he's he's sort of half discounted because of what he's been through but if you if you hadn't had the setback you know he, he were he to take to the fences he'd be a, a serious chance yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. I think I think that's exactly right. He sort of he, he feels a little discounted, but I suppose look, his 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 only run <clears throat> since um, since his injury was in the Denman um, at Newbury, and um, and look, we were delighted with him. It was it was always going to be a prep run, but against you know against horses that were, were going to be running in the Gold Cup, so. Um, he travelled with them, jumped brilliantly, and then just got a bit tired at the back of the second last. But it meant that we had plenty of time to to bring him forward for for the national. And so, um, yeah, we were delighted with it. But I can understand why people were sort of, sort of less less sure of how good a run it was. Mm. Um, but um, but yeah, he's he's he came out of that very well. He went away. We took him away to um, school him over fences and. Um, he went to Dick Martin point to point track and and um, and basically ran away around there for about three miles mm. after that. So he certainly comes there in good form. 
And were um, a Claire Surf, the other horse you have in, not to get a run, I, I feel you could count yourself pretty unlucky given the form boost that that he got at the weekend with Win My Wings. So um, it's a it's a, a wait and see job. It is. It is. I mean, confirmations are this morning, so um, we'll get to see how how close we are to getting in. Hopefully, hopefully we will be in, and that will mean that everything is much more relaxing. Um, but um, but we'll see. Look, he's eight years old. If uh, if he doesn't get in this year, I'd very much be hoping he'd be getting in next year. But yeah, as you say, the the form of the Ida Chase took a took a big boost. <laughs> you only beat a length and three quarters, giving giving her ten or twelve pounds. So. Um, yeah, it would, that was a that was a cracking run, and it would be, it would be great on the back of how he is and his form this year if we did get in. But but it is, it's a wait and see. Is there any part of you that thinks it, it might be a year too soon for him, or not? If he if he gets in, is he ready? Um, oh, you know, I think I think in years gone by, you'd say as an eight year old, it would be a year too soon. Uh, but I think the way that the race is now, uh, I think I think it's it's probably. It'll be what it is, and 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 I'm very happy for him to take his chance. He's you know he's, he's physically got stronger, and I'd be very happy for him to to take his chance if if he gets in. Uh, but I just don't think it'd be the end of the world if he didn't. You know, it's mm. it's, it's one of those situations. Anything else um, going to Aintree that you're excited about, Emma? Uh, well, we've got Killer Clown in the top of him. He was very good at, at uh, Kempton the other day. Um, when he won a decent chase around there, we've we schooled him over sort of our entry style fences, and he loved jumping them at home. He's a he's a decent horse, and his way of racing I think could well suit the the top of them. So they would be our our, our main. Our main entry hopes are all over the national fences, so it's going to be a nail-biting week. <laughs> Just yeah, make it exciting, exactly. Um, Emma, thanks for your time. Good luck. Thank you very much. Cheers, Tom. Well, Nick, not with us today, of course, but um, he was busy at the, the back end of last week and uh, busy going and seeing Charlie Appleby. Over the next couple of days, we've got a, an Appleby Big Six feature focusing on his, his six key horses going into the flat season. The first part of that you can hear now. It focuses on Yabir Hurricane Lane and Adair. How close, Charlie, can you get to being a hero in a race without winning? <laughs> this is your beer. What did you make of the Shima Classic? You know, I said to William beforehand, similar to, to be honest with you, uh, when we went to, to Del Mar for the, for the Breeders' Cup turf there, I said, William, you're either going to be a hero or a villain. Uh, but that, unfortunately, that's, that's the style of run, his run style that, that works for him. So, um, of course, you know, we're always going to be um, susceptible to what pace is on the, on the front end and unfortunately there wasn't the, the pace that we would have liked uh, in the Shima Classic. But I feel this horse lost nothing in defeat. As we've always stated, he's going to be an, an international horse hopefully for us for this season and, and beyond. If you didn't have Adair and Hurricane Lane in the yard, would his campaign be different? Do you think this would be the horse that you'd be looking at all the big European middle distance group ones? For sure. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, what, what he's achieved, um, you know, this horse started his three-year-off career as, a, as our potential derby horse. He was a character as a two-year-old and, and, and it was uh, with his strength as a three-year-old on top of that, he was becoming more of a challenge to, to himself as much as, us, as, as ourselves. Um, and we had, to, we had to make that decision of, of going forward what was going to bring the best out in him and so therefore he, he took the cruelest cut of all as they say um, but from there onwards all we've seen is a, a professional racehorse and we all saw him there on Breeders' Cup night and winning the Breeders' Cup turf so uh, again he was then going to hopefully be an exciting horse 
from three to four and uh, and where we are you know barely a week later um, in uh, seeing him finish second in the Shima Classic I think puts him in good standing to uh, for the you know for the for his four-year-old career in what we're wanting to achieve. How's he come out of the Shima Classic well? Fantastic and his horse you know he came off the he ran on the Saturday night he flew back on the Monday morning he arrived here Monday afternoon First thing he did is he came in, had a roll, and put his head straight in the feed pot. So <laughs> he's got he's got an amazing constitution, and um, the plan is for him to uh, to head to Belmont again for the for the Man of War Stakes there in the middle of May, and then potentially, hopefully, if we're lucky enough to uh, to get a result there, we'll look at something like the Sword Dancer. Uh, the one thing this horse surprisingly uh, handles particularly well is quick ground, and um, you know we weren't beaten that far by the by the mm. Japanese. So you know that I might be something that we could. I see, I see what you're thinking, Japan yeah. Cup. Yeah, Japan Cup or, you know, or, or, or go to Hong Kong for, for one of their big prizes. But um, most importantly, like I say, we'll, we'll, we'll campaign him as we, as we mentioned there the first half of the season and then we'll, uh, we'll regroup and see where we are. This is Hurricane Lane, Charlie. Uh, when you look at this horse now, what do you see? Nick, this horse has done fantastic uh, from, from three to four there now. What he achieved last year in winning uh, the Irish Derby and uh, the Grand Prix de Paris and... Uh, the St. Ledger and doing what he did in the arc. Um, you know, he had a, he had a, he had a, a tough season, but uh, he's thrived through the winter. As you see, physically, he's done, put everything in the right place. Um, so, uh, you know, very much working back from, a, from an arc this year. Plan is to head to, um, head to the Hardwick first at Royal Ascot, uh, and then potentially on to the, the Grand Prix de Saint-Cloud and then look towards a trial working again just back from the arc um, but uh, couldn't be any happier the way the horse is furnished for the winter. Just talk me through the thinking behind giving him that really nice long long break. As I say Nick he's a horse that you know he, he was campaigned uh, I don't say aggressively but you know a few people would have said that you know his middle part of his season we we, we went uh, two or three races in succession and um, you know we'll, also, with the likes of a few of the, the other older horses we've got, we're trying to, to keep them apart uh, at present. So, um, you know, we just felt that he's much, very much a horse that you could work back from an arc in, in a, you know, ground. We know he's going to, to appreciate the, the juice in the ground and it's, it's easier to work back with him than, than any of the others. He's got a great, great mindset, great constitution for sure. The constitution we could see was there, but his mindset in, 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 it, in what he achieved at the, on the big stage and how he composed and addressed, uh, addressed himself on each occasion, I was uh, you know, very, very pleased to see. And, and uh, you know, as, we see, as we say, it's a sign of a good horse, hopefully. How did you feel that he enhanced his reputation or otherwise by his run in the art, given how quickly it came off the back of a, a, pretty, a pretty huge effort in the St. Ledger? Yeah, as we know, I mean, you know, historically it hasn't been done as yet. And uh, I was, I was uh, you know, trying, to, trying to make history there with this horse. And, uh, I felt that he lost nothing in defeat in, in the way he finished the, finished the race off. It was a, it was a gruelling arc in, in the conditions that they ran in. Um, and, uh, you know, he lost nothing in defeat. He, was, he, he, he travelled there and he picked up well up the straight. And, uh, you know, it was just the, the older horses that did him on the line. And, um, you know, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with this year. Here's Adair, Charlie. He's your, your second derby winner. Charlie, when you look at this horse and you, know, you remember what he did at Epsom, what, what sort of place does he have in, in your heart just for the fact that he won the derby as much as anything else? To have any derby winner in the yard and, and, be, and to be fortunate enough to have a, a second derby winner in the yard after Massar, um, it's, uh, you know, it's a sense of uh, you know, huge pride for, the, for, for myself and the team here, but most importantly you know, for His Highness Sheikh Mohammed and, and, and Team Godolphin to, 
to have a horse like this, but uh, and also to keep him in training from three to four, which is a huge excitement for for ourselves and hopefully uh, you know for the sport. As a physical, you know you couldn't ask for any more. Um, he's an outstanding looking horse. Um, that's just just put everything gone in the right places. If if anything, I feel this horse has um, surprised me in how. Uh, how well he's done because I always just felt as a three-year-old he was a strong three-year-old but he was in slightly two parts whereas now I think you're looking at a completely finished article now. So going forward you know the plan with him is to uh, to start him off in the coronation um, as we know he's, he can handle the track so we tick one box there and the trip um, so head to, head to the coronation uh, and then hopefully you know, look at uh, towards the King George again and if we're lucky enough to uh, to tick one of those boxes you know, the view will be then taken up upon myself and the team there um, about whether we contemplate whether to come back in trip and, and, and take a look at uh, a Judmont International. Did you think he didn't quite get home in the art world? Yeah, for sure, Nick. Like you say, A, we come off a bit of a break there. We missed our intended um, uh, trial with him. Um, and, you know, the one thing surprising for the size of him, we thought he'd handle the conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he blatantly doesn't. There's no, you know, there's no argument in that now. Obviously, we 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 backed off again there in the champion stakes. Um, the one thing we definitely learnt was he doesn't handle soft ground. So that's why we sort of tried to put it clearly in our picture of of keeping the himself and Hurricane Lane apart. Whereas this horse, we will most definitely keep him on a sounder surface. Is it worth just reflecting on this horse's pedigree a little bit? Well, we know, like Hurricane Lane, he's by Frankel, but he's out of a Dubawi mare called Anna Salai, who's from one of Sheikh Mohammed's best families, and who herself was runner-up in an Irish 1,000 guineas. Does that always play in your mind, that he's got that speed, that miling pace in the bottom side of his pedigree? Most definitely, Nick. No, you're, you're 100% correct there. That um, This horse, I, you know, he, he's, he's, of course, he's won, a, he's won a derby, he's won a King George. But we, you know, the the pace that he's shown, and he's got as he's got physically stronger. He's made, if anything, I think he's got quicker. Where are you with regards to to flat mode, Dave? Have you have you engaged flat brain, or do you have to just wait until the end of this week and into Craven Week next week to do so? It's non-stop, non-stop action, non-stop fun at the moment. Yeah, it's. Um, I'm still in jumps mode at the moment, Tom. I, I think that. I mean, I'm always guided by. Um, our readers in this sense and I've just over the last couple of weeks I've been trying to dig out a couple of uh, flat stories with regard to certainly the the 1000 and 2000 guineas uh, in in a a few weeks time but I've been talking to the desk and we thought well let's let's talk let's get the national out of the way first because if if you put in a story about um, a a 2000 guineas colt the week before the Grand National, it's it's likely that most of our readers are, are very, very uh, firmly focused on Aintree. So I'll get this Saturday out of the, the way first and then we'll concentrate on the Craven, as you say. Right, to the United States now. And we learnt over the weekend that Bob Baffert is to start a 90-day ban today after his appeal was denied. To tell us a little bit more about this is the Executive Director at the Thoroughbred Idea Foundations, Pat Cummings, our go-to man for all things uh, Bob Baffert saga. Pat, what does this latest instalment mean for Baffert? It's a bit of reality setting in, I would say, Tom. Um, And it's even been acknowledged as such by Baffert's attorney. So when the initial ruling came down and the 
suspension was assigned, Baffert and his team appealed for a stay of that suspension. And those stays are normally granted, um, I'd say, fairly regularly. Um, The Kentucky Horse Racing Commission Executive Director denied the stay. Now, while that is obviously unusual, uh, the commission had their reasoning. And in a 29-page ruling by Acting Chief Judge Allison Jones of the Kentucky Court of Appeals, she stated very clearly that while the Racing Commission has maintained that a stay of the Baffert 90-day suspension uh, is not appropriate, uh, they did so because they believed that given Baffert's repeated violations of the commission rules, that they, the commission, were really required to, quote, promote public confidence in the industry, and that that was the reasoning behind their decision. And the judge could not disagree with it. Baffert's attorneys argued that this 90-day suspension would cause him irreparable harm. The judge did not agree. And so what that means is that as of Monday, April 4th, uh, Baffert is suspended for 90 days. That suspension is reciprocated across the country. And California's own rules come into play here, which state that if a trainer is suspended for more than 60 days, they must vacate their barn entirely and not have any hand in training the horses in that state. So as of Monday, uh, all of Baffert's uh, horses have to be dispersed. That dispersal has already taken place in the daily racing form, and others have reported that most of the horses seem to be going to either trainer Tim Yachtin or Sean McCarthy. But for now, uh, and and for the foreseeable uh, 90 days, Baffert is not training horses in this country. So that is, you know, what what we basically knew that um, there would be no Bob Baffert anywhere near having a runner in the 2022 Kentucky Derby. That is officially confirmed 100% now. And that also um, goes over into other jurisdictions as well. No Baffert horse running anywhere under his name for 90 days. That's right. And it's not even, uh, there's no expectation that he has a hand in anything that's going on with the other horses either. Um, The ownership of the majority of his his prime three-year-olds that are on the Kentucky Derby Trail has acknowledged as such as well. Uh, One of those horses ran last week in Saturday's Arkansas Derby, a horse by the name of Topple Ganger for Team Yak Team. Finished fourth, um, not enough points to make it to the Kentucky Derby. Uh, And there are more to come this coming week uh, with runners expected, you know, former Baffert trainees expected in the Santa Anita Derby, the Bluegrass, and possibly the Wood Memorial too, uh, the major final 100-point preps. But at this point, there is now absolutely no chance that Baffert has a runner in this year's Kentucky Derby, and that what Churchill Downs privately ruled uh, after last year's race uh, that he won't have a runner at least in 2022. That is for sure a reality. Uh, there is still a pending suit as to whether or not um, between Baffert and Churchill Downs, a separate suit, uh, that is still in, involved in the courts, um, but it will have no bearing on this year's race. The, the, the reality has truly set it. Pat, appreciate the update. Thanks again. Dave, all that is required from you, sir, is a tip, if you don't mind. You staying with today? 
I'm staying at home, Tom, with the 225 at Kelso. Number five, the Jad Factor. Got off the mark over hurdles at the seventh time of asking at Newcastle on the 8th of last month. Four pounds higher here, but I hope that the follow-up very much on the cards. 225 race at Kelso. Selection is number five, the Jad Factor. Dave, lovely stuff. Thanks very much indeed. Hope you've enjoyed today's show. All week we are building up to the Roundox Grand National this Saturday. Speak to you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.